Good morning, everyone. Naomi's obviously feeling very happy this morning because she's got her bear and she's had her birthday. But I wonder how others of us are feeling this morning. On Facebook recently, you know, you could, if you're on Facebook, you could like a post for a long, long time, but recently they changed it so you could react in many ways. I think we've got them up here to different posts. So if someone had written something that wasn't very good that had been happening, you could react with a little tear. You didn't have to like it. You know, oh, my grandfather died. Like? No, no. We could have a tear or something. So I wondered, how do we feel this morning? If we were to go by these, what are they, emojis? I try and be, I try and be up with it, you know. But I had to learn that. It's taken me all week. Um, what, what, how would we be feeling this morning, arriving at church? Or is there another emotion that's not on here that Facebook doesn't allow us to have that we might be feeling? I wonder how we arrive at church. Some of us are probably liking it. This is good. Some of us might be a bit angry. I didn't want to come this morning. Why am I here? Others are just smiling happily. We found the seat that's warm and we're cosy and it's nice. We have all sorts. Oh, Miranda. What does the second row, second one in represent? Shock? Silence. Could be anything. Could be a, you're pregnant. Or a, no, that didn't happen. Could be, take it as what you would. I don't know why that came out. (laughs) No, no, no. Okay, um... So, how are we feeling this morning? Do you know, we arrive at church in lots of different ways, feeling lots of different emotions. And it's interesting, because I was looking at the Bible, and in the Bible, people do the same when they come to, all, to God, all the time, all through the years. In the Psalms, which are in the Bible, there's lots of ways in which people approach God. Here are some. This is what people say. When I call, you give me answers, Lord. You take my side. Oh, this is positive. And then, listen, God, please pay attention. Can you make sense of these ramblings, my groans and my cries? That's not so positive. To you, Lord, I call. You are my rock. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. But then there's, hear my prayer, Lord. Let me cry for help. Let me come to you. And then someone says, out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Hear my voice. Oh God, why have you rejected us forever? Some people come to God with great joy. Some people come to God not really knowing whether he is there. That's happened all through the years, all through the Bible. And some of us arrive in those different ways today. This is what I read, though. Listen to this. The gospel is the shocking, provocative, revolutionary, subversive, counterintuitive good news that in your moments of greatest despair, failure, sin, weakness, losing, failing, frustration, inability, helplessness, wondering, and falling short, God 
meets you there, right there, right exactly there, in that place, and announces, I am on your side. So however we feel, however we arrive this morning, God meets us here and says to us, I am on your side. Let's pray together before we sing together. The Bible also says this, now that we know what we have, Jesus, this great high priest with ready access to God, let's not let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, all but the sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what he so, is so ready to give. Take the mercy and accept the help. So let's walk right up to God now as we continue to sing before the throne of God above. We're going to take up our offering during this song. Over the last few weeks of Lent, we've been looking at different things that help us in our walk with God. So we've looked at prayer and we've looked at how meeting together can encourage us and challenge us as we uh, seek to draw close to God. Today we'll be thinking about the Bible, which is not a small subject for, you know, we've got what, you know, a few minutes, so that's not that bad. But first of all, I thought we'd start by looking at a few facts of the Bible, which I'm sure you all know. Excuse me. (coughs) As you know, the Bible is a big book. Well, it's actually a collection of books, as I'm sure you know. It contains 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. The Old Testament is made up mainly of history books, law books, books of prophecy, and wisdom writings. Whereas the New Testament contains the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as well as Acts, which are the adventures of the early church and the spread of the gospel, and the letters, which are lots of different letters to lots of different people and churches to encourage them in their walk with God and to challenge them about various things. There are many different types of writings in the Bible, from the letters and the wisdom writings that I've just mentioned, to historical writings and poetry and stories and parables. The focus of the Bible is God and his relationship with people and his relationship with the world. And because of that, it's a book that looks back to the past, the history of the creation of the world and God's people and his relationship. It also focuses on the present in the things that we read and the way that the Bible speaks to us about our situation, but then looks towards the future about what will eventually happen if you can possibly decipher Revelation, which is impossible. It's a panorama, if you like, of history that we can look at through various different writings. But within this, of course, it's not just a big picture. There are lots of different people, lots of different situations, lots of different things that happen. There are stories of death and destruction. There's an awful lot of violence in the Bible. There is a lot of war. There is slavery. There are stories of healing and the stories of life. There are stories of desperation and stories of great loss. 
There are stories of great gain in people's lives and transformation that you wouldn't believe. There are stories of desolation and darkness, but there are also stories of wonderful light. There are people in the Bible who trust beyond anything else, and there are people who doubt and cannot bring themselves to trust. But there are also those who stand somewhere in between. They're not really sure what's going on at all. It is claimed that the Bible is the best-selling book of all time. It often appears on best-selling book lists. It's estimated to have sold a total of 5 billion copies and estimated to have annual sales of 100 million copies. In 2014, I'm a little bit nervous about this fact because Ivan's sitting here, but in 2014 it said that the Bible had been translated or parts of it had been translated into 1,329 different languages. Ivan's looking thoughtful. (laughs) And at the moment, it is believed that it's in the process of being translated into another 2,195 languages. You're nodding! (laughs) Yes! Which sounds a lot, but apparently there are about 7,000 spoken languages in the world today. Tick, tick. The Bible has inspired hundreds of movies and TV programs, as well as thousands of books. And did you know this? Apparently, the King James translation has inspired the lyrics of more pop songs than any other book. You knew that? Yes. Tick. It's an immense book, a collection of books, letters, poems, and stories. It is vast and deep and truly amazing for something that you can pick up and hold in your hand. And yet, despite this depth, it is also a book that has been reduced to a tiny amount of words. In fact, it's been reduced down to no more than 50 words. I want you to take a look at the screen and watch this short clip video. I wonder what some of the reactions we have. Does anyone want to share anything or do you prefer to keep it to yourself? Oh yes. Uh, did who got who did get kicked out of religion class? Excellent. I mean oh sorry, excellent. What brilliant. Okay, so the Bible was that an inspiring thing or not? Because you know. Okay, so how it was taught affected how you responded and reacted. Yeah? Yeah? Uh, Just saying that they got kicked out of class, um, and not that they were saying the Bible was uninspiring, but how it was taught and presented to them was. So therefore, no interest. Though Yah was laughing quite a lot during the conversation. (laughs) Totally opposite. So you enjoyed your you enjoyed your study. O level RE and you liked it. Hmm? That's worked out well for you, yes. Okay, any other reactions, responses?
Oh, everyone was forced to do the exam. Did you enjoy it? There's a, there's a pause, long pause. Oh, didn't enjoy the teacher. Oh, well, it does affect it, doesn't it? It does affect it. Let me um, read. I've picked up my Bible. Oh, here we are. Let me read a little bit from the Bible as we're thinking about the Bible. I'm going to read from 2 Timothy, chapter 3, <coughs> verses 10 to 17. And it's Paul who has sent a letter to Timothy. And this is towards the end of the letter, and he's finishing off with some final instructions to him. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance. This is Paul talking. Persecutions, sufferings, what kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learnt it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus." All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that all God's people may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You know, the Bible is an amazing book that at its very simplest contains a wonderful story of love, a story of unconditional love, of sacrifice, and of redemption, a story of God's relationship with humankind, a story of a God who has the power to change and transform our lives and our world. And yet, by all accounts, as we've heard from some people, the Bible is also very difficult. It's very deep, it's very hard, it's very confusing at times. It can be very uninspiring. It can be hard work. For a collection of books that hold such depth and wisdom and inspiration, the Bible can at times be a very difficult book to open and look at. I struggle to read it as I should, especially since having children and all the things that go with that. Well, I struggle to read parent mail, let alone to look into the depths and delve into the wonders of the Word of God. The simplest things I struggle to understand. And yet, as Christians, we are told that it is very important to read the Bible, that if we really want to follow God, this is something we should do. And not only that, but we're told in the Bible that we should meditate on it, that we should treasure it, that we should store it up in our hearts. This is something of vital importance if we're to deepen our relationship with God. And this is something that's highlighted in the passage that I just read, the letter of 2 Timothy, written, as I said, by Paul to his young protege, Timothy, where in the face of possible persecution, Paul urges Timothy to continue in his faith. Whatever happens, continue in your faith. And the thing he calls him to do, to be able to continue, is to read the Bible. He says, but as for you, continue in what you have learnt. From infancy, you have known the Holy Scriptures. Continue, Timothy says, Paul says to Timothy, read, continue to read, continue to digest, continue to focus on the Bible. Because if persecution comes, 
This is the tool that will help you to stick close to God. God himself asks the same thing of Joshua, actually, in the Old Testament, just before he enters into his battle for the promised land, where he says, keep the book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. In fact, there are numerous calls for people to read and focus on the Bible when faced with difficult circumstances and when seeking to stay close to God. Because clearly, it's a book of great importance on our journey of faith. As Paul says here, it is a book that is able to make you wise for salvation, as well as one that is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness. Or if you like, he says the Bible is useful in enabling us to understand the type of lives we need to live. It can point out ways that we need to change. It can point out how we might need to adjust our lives. It can point out patterns we might need to follow. In other words, it helps us to understand the right way of life, the way of God that we are called to follow, which is all very well and seemingly very Christian. But at the end of the day, it can also sound a little bit dry. You know, this teaching the way to live, showing us what to do. A bit like a textbook or an instruction manual or a rule book on how to live, which some of us, I'm sure, might find fascinating. I'm saying these words and you're going, oh, yes, let me sit down with a good rule book on how to live and I'll have a great afternoon. You know, some of us might like that. But in all fairness... For most of us, it doesn't sound overly inspiring. You know, given the choice, would I rather pick up God's textbook, God's instruction manual, God's rule book on life, or would I rather settle down with the latest episode of Grey's Anatomy, for instance, or a novel that might lift my spirits, or a magazine that I can just flick through the pictures? When put like that, the Bible doesn't always sound overly exciting. And yet, this is how the Bible was introduced to me when I was younger, and maybe to some who got kicked out of the class. You know, as God's rule book, God's instruction manual. This is what you have to read. And often, this is how it's seen today as well. It's seen as a book that's simply there to show us what we should do and what we shouldn't do which in a way, of course, it does. But if this is the only way we see the Bible, I think we fall very short of what God really intended for it to be. Because in all its glory, the Bible is far beyond a textbook. It's far beyond an instruction manual or a a rule book for life or whatever category we want to put it into when we put it on the shelf. Joshua knew this before he entered the promised land. And Paul knew this, which is why he urged Timothy to keep on reading it. Because he knew that the Bible, the Holy Scriptures, were far more than just a set of instructions. In fact, they were far more than just a book. Because Paul knew that in some mysterious way, they were actually alive. He uses this term in 2 Timothy that says all scripture is God-breathed. It's a tiny phrase which is used all over the place and used in lots of different ways. 
but it's a phrase that actually brings the Bible into a category of its own. It makes it something special. It doesn't mean it's easy to read or understand. It doesn't make it any easier to open. And it doesn't mean that it always makes sense and that it's not a little bit weird at times. But this tiny phrase does mean that in some way God has breathed into this book so that within its pages there are not just words and instructions, but there is also movement and life. And therefore, when we read it, we don't simply read information that is good for us, because we should, because we're following God. Instead, when we read it, God desires that it becomes part of us, part of who we are, so that we can truly live in the ways of salvation. Do you know, when I was younger, I went to a youth group at church, and I used to read the Bible quite a lot. I think I'm quite amazed. Why did I do that? Well, I mean, look, I don't think, but you know, I read it all the time. And it was a good book, I thought. You know, some bits were a bit weird. I used to read it, made sense to me. But then I got confirmed. I know I'm a Baptist, but I grew up in the Anglican Church. And I got confirmed. And the bishop prayed that God's Holy Spirit would enter my life. I felt nothing. I went away. Things carried on as normal kept reading the Bible, and then one day I opened the Bible and I read a passage that I had read time and time again that I quite liked. It was a good passage. And suddenly it was as if the words had come alive and they were just for me. And I read it and I was completely challenged by something I'd read over and over again before. And it changed my life. And for a period of a few months, every time I read the Bible, it spoke directly to me. It was amazing. It's like the words jumped off the page and changed my life. Back then, it was like the book of Hebrews says, when it says, the word of God is active and alive, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of our heart. Or if you like, when I read the Bible, it was as if it was alive and it was speaking to me. And that's why Paul says to Timothy that the Bible is good for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, not because it has helpful advice that we can try and put into practice and it's all such hard work, but because when we read it, God teaches. When we read it, God opens our eyes. When we read it, God realigns our life. When we read it, God speaks to our very being and brings us alive in him. And you know, this is not the only way that God speaks, of course. God can speak through anything, and he does. Neighbours, home and away, the train timetable, even EastEnders, I've been told, someone heard God speak. Who'd believe that? God can speak through anything. But the thing is this. He has promised to speak through his word, the Bible. He can speak through anything, but he has promised that when we read his word, he will speak to us. And that's why it's different than any other book, because essentially it is a book that is alive with God. 
You see, it's not a book to be used for reference when we have a problem. Quick, what do I do now? Let's flick through the pages and find out. It's not a book to back up our understanding of life and to judge and condemn someone else's. Look, proofs in the Bible. It's not a book to answer all our questions. If only, that would be great, wouldn't it? It's a book that challenges our life with the things of God to the point that we are actually moved to change. To the point that we become people who start to seek to bring God's justice and God's goodness to the world. This might be why a lecturer of mine when I was at Bible college said this about the Bible. He said, when we come to read the Bible, we shouldn't study the word of God. Instead, we should allow the word of God to study us. We shouldn't come to study the word of God but we should allow the word of God to study our lives and to challenge our lives. Or if you like, when we come to the Bible, we shouldn't simply read it to see what it has to say. Is it of any use to me now to see what might ring true or to see what might make sense? Instead, we should come to the Bible with an expectation that God is going to speak to me. And you know, not every time will the words leap off the page. But we should come with the expectation that God will speak to us and with the humility to allow him to challenge our lives when we read his word. Of course, to enable this to happen, if there's any chance that it might happen, we do have to first open his word and read it as much as we can. And that's often where the challenge lies, when we're busy and we're tired and our brains are not working as they should. It's picking it up and opening it and allowing God the opportunity to speak to us through his word. Let's just have a moment of quiet and then we'll pray together. So as we go from here, may we commit to being people of God's word, people who open his word. And I ask that as we do, he will speak to us and bless us this week. May God surround us and care for us and walk with us. Amen. Please be seated.